0: rick rule rick rule is a favorite of the real vision community if you'd like to meet rick and get a masterclass from the master himself you'll want to head to the rick rule symposium on natural resource investing in florida july 23 to 27 you'll get access to industry insiders elite bullion dealers gold council members and uranium pros just head over to realvision.com rick for tickets that's realvision.com rick
1: What's going on, guys? It's Ash Bennington. Welcome to Real Vision Daily Briefing. Before we get started with this show, every day this week, we're talking about our new platform, Real Vision 2.0. We talked about this earlier on the Crypto Daily Briefing, uh, but I think it's worth mentioning again because it is quite important. Last week, we released a video called The Past, Present, and Future of Real Vision uh, with Raul Pal talking about what we're doing with this Platform, the new direction the company is going, in. as I said, we're all very excited. Yesterday, as I said yesterday, we're all very excited about this. It's a huge leap forward, I think, uh, for us. You know, in my mind, this is really about Real Vision transitioning from a content business to a platform business. I know that that's a bold statement, uh, and we're taking baby steps to get there. But I really believe that fundamentally, what we're doing is connecting people, creating information and wisdom. There's a lot of content to talk about here. So I just wanna talk a little bit about uh, what's happening right now on the platform. By the way, if you're a Real Vision member and you haven't seen the video yet, go check it out on platform. It's called, as I said, the past, present and future of Real Vision. Uh, And you can take a look at this whole video there. In the meantime, let me just read for you some comments from our Real Vision members that I think give you a little bit of a sense of what's happening on the platform. First one comes to us from Matt P. Goosebumps of excitement, effing awesome. Thanks team. The work to get here would have been epic. Well done, and a massive thank you for making all this possible. I'm so grateful to be a member of Real Vision. Jake K., this is epic, confirms everything I've always believed about why I'm investing in Real Vision. I've never viewed membership fees as an expense. They're an investment in an education and a distributed network that will compound throughout my life. Now, with the new platform, I can consistently invest in building network, Plus, having the tools to continue my investing and educational journey. Finally, from Adrian P. Wow, this is going to basically be a Real Vision dashboard tool, which is super awesome and helpful. So I don't have to keep WordPad handy to save all my notes from the investing course. Stoked for this. And the bloopers were hilarious. Yes, the bloopers were hilarious. I really enjoyed that video for that reason. Uh, But I want to reference here a little bit of what Adrian was talking about with WordPad, you know, this is really interesting because it's essentially a tool, a piece of functionality that's built into the platform that will allow you to take notes uh, directly on the videos in the platform itself and then organize those. And hopefully we've got some AI functionality coming online soon as well. You know, this is a relatively simple feature, but what it represents I think is enormous. Uh, This is about connecting knowledge, tools, and network. Uh, It's not additive. It's multiplicative. When you have all of these things functioning together, your ability to get things done on the platform to learn and to connect with each other, I think is pretty incredible. Uh, Anyway, it's a long journey. We're just beginning it now. We want to tell you about this because we're incredibly excited about it internally at Real Vision, and we want to show you what we're doing. Here's how this matters to you specifically. Prices at Real Vision like many other things in our economy, are rising uh, in the next couple of months. If you're already a Real Vision member, the good news is you can lock in your current membership at up to 50% off or level up at member-only prices before July 24th. Uh, Here's where to go to check it out. It's realvision.com forward slash level up, all lowercase, realvision.com forward slash level up, all lowercase, Uh, a lot happening there. We're going to continue to keep you updated on this as this platform begins to roll out on realvision.com. So much, much more to talk about there in the coming weeks and months. Okay, with all that said, time for the market to turn. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, July 18, 2023. I'm Ash Bennington. I'm joined today by our old friend, Tom Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Tom, welcome back.
2: Ash, uh, nice to be back. And uh, that sounds very exciting for Real Vision 2.0. Uh, Goosebumps as the first guy said.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. There's a lot going on. And I've, I've you know, kind of played around with the beta releases. It's super fun. I, I really think that this is about becoming a true platform where you have tools and functionality as well as content and the ability of people to connect to each other. Just incredibly exciting, cool stuff. Cool. So, Tom, I've been hanging out in Cryptoland for the last few weeks. Uh, I've been keeping an eye on uh, what folks in crypto call TradFi markets, what we call capital markets, U.S. equity markets, still on an absolutely enormous tear. Give us the big picture. What's the context? How are you thinking about it?
2: Well, I, I think right now, whoever's watching can can certainly, and I'm not going to take offense if they just say, oh, so what? Who cares? Um, I'm kind of looking at things from a valuation point of view, uh, looking at a lot of technical indicators, market sentiment as well. And... and And truth be told, um, I had a great year. The last couple of years, this year hasn't been very good. Um, I'm actually down on the year, which I know everybody's gonna be like, oh my God. But I am, and I'm, you know, year's not over. Uh, But I I do think that um, it's gotten just a little too weird right now. Uh, Valuations are stretched. Market sentiment uh, has been sort of muted throughout the first five months out of the year. And then in June, it turned... Um, actually turned and is now extreme, extreme overbought bearish. And for the first time since last year, we now have DeMarc upside exhaustion signals on the S&P 500. Uh, We haven't had that yet. We did have one on the NASDAQ a couple of weeks ago, and you had a little bit of sideways action. And then now you have a a bit of a resurgence, uh, residual momentum. But what's interesting is I'm seeing the most amount of upside mark sell signals within the S&P in 18 months, and in 18 months ago, I was fairly bearish um, and cautious, and not many other people were, because everything was uh, moving higher. In that was around November, December 2021. And so we're seeing a very similar setup like that. And we've had the Magnificent Seven, uh, which has been discussed numerous times everywhere, doing the majority of the heavy lifting uh, in the markets. and And, you know, quite frankly, I probably wouldn't have chased. i wouldn't I don't recommend chasing them now. Um, I think selling them now makes a lot of sense. Maybe not short, but uh, I think that, it's just the valuations have gotten stretched. The market cap increases are absurd. Um, that's just, and again, people can say, "Oh, so what? Who cares? They're going up, and I don't really care." Well, you might eventually care because there's going to come a time when uh, things just stop moving up in this torrid fashion. And and as I, you know, as you mentioned, you you've been in crypto land. I don't know what that looks like. I mean, i I'm, I'm assuming it looks like partly like the Barbie movie, like an NFT. I don't know what Cryptoland looks like. It sounds good. I mean, awesome, <laughs> honestly. But even Bitcoin has stopped going up. And Bitcoin used to go up and was correlated with the NDX. So I think even the crypto guys in Bitcoin are blushing a little bit going, oh, my God, you know, NVIDIA's got, you know, a, a micron or two a, year, a day or every other day. And, um, I mean, Microsoft was the one today that went – You know, nuts at 1130, they were doing a presentation regarding their their uh, AI product that they're going to put towards uh, or put mix in with um, office, the office suite. And they're going to charge thirty dollars a person, which is very high. That's a high number for a month, monthly user. But the stock went up one hundred and fifty billion dollars within about a half hour. Uh, in market cap, $150 billion in market cap. And someone on Twitter uh, did a little calculation. Um, I don't know who it was, but they said that uh, that would be essentially 80 million users monthly at $30 would equate to about $150 billion over five years. Uh, Right. Yeah. Five years. So it just, it's, it's getting crazy. And I, I I have been looking at the earnings estimates, and usually earnings estimates go up with uh, with increases in in stock prices. No, not here, not this quarter. Uh, Microsoft again is up 700 billion dollars in market cap, and their earnings haven't really gone up. And they will, you know, they'll beat numbers. Tesla, Tesla is up 250 billion dollars. In the last since in this quarter, and they report tomorrow. And you know, I, I'm I'm bearish on Tesla, and I'm, I'm I've been wrong on Tesla this year. I, I I covered it last year, adding it back. But let's just think about this: Tesla's earnings for 2023 are going to be down year over year. That's the estimates. Okay but they sold more cars. So there's some disconnect here in the sense that they sold more cars, their margins are gonna be hit, but you know deliveries for the bulls are more important than earnings, which I counter, that really doesn't make sense. But their earnings estimate for 2023, the sell side bulls, it was like 650, um, not too long ago. Now it's 350. And that's a material move lower. So. What I'm kind of getting at is from a valuation point of view, the Magnificent 7 have an average P.E. now because this has all been multiple expansion, P.E. multiples expanding. Earnings are not necessarily moving up. They probably will beat, you know, but they have an average multiple of those seven of 48 times earnings. Now, a lot of people, the, the bearish strategists in the market will say, well, the S&P is trading at 20 times earnings and that's expensive but if you if you if you take out the magnificent seven, it's the s and p's actually a lot less. It's a lot cheaper. And I'm actually not bearish on everything. i've I've been long. Last time I was on um, with Maggie, I said I, I liked the energy stocks. The oil service sector is up twenty percent uh, since, and it's 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 been working. Uh, and I, that's my favorite place for the second half. Um and you know there's going to be some volatility there. So that's kind of my thought. You've got sentiment very high. You've got boatloads of DeMarc signals that are for the first time in a while triggering. So again, everybody can say, oh so what? They're going up. I don't care. You might one day.
1: So Tom, if I had to do a two-word summary of everything you just said, it would be oh, narrow. Oh, <laughs> narrow and overbought those would be my two cho- my two words
2: overloved <laughs> overbought that's it and it doesn't mean you know like when you get these signals they start to develop and one of the one of the things about a fomo market which if this isn't a fomo market i don't know what is but one of the problems is you get these very shallow pullbacks and you get shallow pullbacks because you have so many fund managers that have missed the move and they'll buy back a 2% pullback like it's, you know, generational buying opportunity and that's kind of what happens and it happened in the towards the end of 2021 until a pullback was bought it failed another pullback was bought it failed and you started to wear down those buy the dip people we're not there yet it'll take time But I do think that the second half of this year is going to be a much different half than what we've just experienced. And again, some people can say, "Oh, so what? You know, I've, you know, made a ton this year. You know, I made a ton last year. You know, who cares? So what? So what? Actually, you just—that's the two words. So what? So what? Yeah."
1: Listen, Tom. You, th- this is the reason why we have you on Real Vision. Decades of experience in watching markets, thinking the way people who run money think, and you make a really compelling case for this view of the shallowness of the of the pullbacks, and then the constant upswing return that you see on the end of it, and of course uh, the magnificent seven concentration. I mean, uh, by the way, I'm just I'm just looking at. By the way, for, for anyone who may not know, is uh, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft. Nvidia and uh, Tesla, but I, I wanted to talk, oh, and I flipped screen so I don't have it here. I, oh, so just to, to give you an idea of the concentration here, I mean, this is a really rough proxy. We could, do, we could probably do equal weighted S&P, but S&P 500 having a banner year, it's up just a shade under year-to-date 19%. NDX, NASDAQ 100 up 45% or thereabouts on the year 44 spot 81 YTD. I mean, the massive outperformance Of NDX versus SPX, just huge, more than double.
2: Yeah, well, that's. I mean, the the NDX was I think it was down thirty five percent last year, and the S and P was down nineteen percent. So, you know, you had a different year, and I think I and I've tracked attribution and the weightings and everything so closely for so many years, and now it's like very common that everybody's watching it, and and that's good. but you should look at it from different time frames as well, and that's what we'll we'll see. And I'll, I put stuff on Twitter all the time about that, and and we'll, we'll watch. But look, I think that, that that when we look at a PE ratio, the price has moved up tremendously. Now we need to see some of the E happen, and right. to really justify the moves, you have to have incredible earnings growth going forward. I don't think the Fed's done. I think the Fed has a real problem on their hand because you've had inflation go down and in the next couple months with base effects and and with gasoline prices being lowered by the Biden administration with the SPR release if if you start to see an uptick in gasoline prices or Fuel prices for airplanes. I mean, fuel prices for airplanes have been a sort of a tailwind for the airlines. And, you know, this month to date, it's up 8%. I mean, 8% is 8%. Um, but if you start to see that happen, I think you're going to see inflation start to reaccelerate, And that's the worst case scenario for the Fed. So that may be the, you know, some people said on Twitter, "Oh, what's the catalyst? Well, maybe that's it. Maybe earnings fall short. I don't know. But I think that we're going to run out of buyers. And that's generally what happens when you start to see DeMarc exhaustion signals um, play up. The other thing is, I like to see a lot of them happen together. And when you mentioned equal weight, the S&P equal weight uh, finally caught up. It had a buy countdown 13, which was a buy signal uh, in June. And now you have a sell signal. It, it's the same thing with the S or the Nasdaq equal weight. Now you have a sell signal in that. So you've just across the board. The VTI, the total market cap um, ETF from Vanguard, that has it. The Russell three thousand has upside exhaustion signals. We have a couple that are still we're still waiting on. Um, but when you start to see that, you should probably start. You should see rule of thumb a reversal within the next 10 days, two weeks, uh, start to develop. And it, again, tops are hard, and you'll have to have that pattern of the the failed dip.
1: Yeah, by the way, since you mentioned Microsoft, something that I've been thinking about here, a conversation that Ral had with Julian Brigden, hosted by Harriet Melandry, uh, out yesterday, I believe, on the Real Vision platform. This is an Insider Talks, where he talks about Microsoft and AI. Let's take a look at that.
0: For Michael from Canada's question, so um, he does do fundamental analysis, and he was having a look at price-to-free cash flow ratios uh, for some of the big big cap stocks. So we got Google, for example, that's uh, op- oscillates in a 30 to 35 range, it's dipped to less than 20 times, and now it's down to 25. So he doesn't think it's expensive, but Microsoft is at 44 times. Um, given what he argues is low liquidity in a high rate environment. Aren't, shouldn't these discrepancies correct? Aren't these valuations? The issue enormous? is with Microsoft is we don't know how to value the AI component they've just done, right? So is the market overvaluing it, undervaluing? I have literally no idea. Sure. Well, you I you'll find have no a idea. month or so, right? I don't even think Not even really. that's too early. Well, right? I mean, at least initially, mate. At least yeah. initially. It's going to really take until next year or the year after to figure out have they just let a stallion out of the stables here or is this a narrative that is fine within Microsoft's overall context, but they're such a big company, is this driving it? We just we just don't know.
1: You know, that's interesting, Tom. I, I heard uh, Rao saying essentially, it's it's almost impossible to quantify how to value the AI component. I think he was sort of expressing almost this like Knightian uncertainty view uh, around the near-term earnings potential. We know that Raoul is very bullish on AI. Uh, as a thesis, as a technology, but in terms of near-term earning potential, how do you know? Kind of similar to your point.
2: Right. I, look, I, th- I think, of course, they're going to have an earnings boost because of AI. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that, well, again, the market cap on their pricing, their office suite with AI um, went up $150 billion today. And the market cap is up $700 billion in the last quarter. That's not going to be realized in earnings, uh, in valuation terms, for uh, decades, perhaps. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. You know, Maybe I'm wrong and everybody's going to have this and you're going to just be a slave to it. I just think that it's overhyped uh, versus the market cap of the moves that we've seen and Valuation makes no sense. I, I'm looking at my screen right now. 37.5 times earnings from Microsoft right now after today's move. I That's, you know, this before the COVID, it was trading at around 23 times earnings. And that, that people said that that was expensive. I just don't think that it makes any sense at this level here. No sense. So, well, I, and again people can say, so what? It's going up and it's making me money. God bless you. I I hope everybody makes money. I just want people to be cognizant of some of the risk. Well, you ask a really interesting question, which is how long does it take you
1: to recognize that $700 billion increase in market capitalization and earnings over what time
2: horizon? I mean, how do you get there, right? How do you get there? Well, look, I, I think people, I mean, this is an irrational market where you've seen these these moves that are just absurd in in so many ways. I, I mean, I it's a new paradigm. I mean, I, I lived through and traded through the dot-com bubble burst, and uh, it took ten years for Microsoft to regain its old high. And it it wouldn't surprise me to see a lot of stocks go through that same situation and. I mean, NVIDIA is a great company. It's incredibly overvalued. Uh, They're going to blow away numbers. They're the best at hype. You know, they've also had maybe the largest insider selling uh, ever this last quarter. You know, what do they know? I don't know. But obviously, some of the the long-term holders internally in the company are saying, thank you very much and taking the gain and not waiting around for the AI spoils.
1: Yeah, you mentioned uh, the dot-com era. I was one of the young kids on Wall Street at that point. I was working on the tech side. Uh, Listen, I don't know what these statistics mean. Let me just throw this out there. These are just numbers. You interpret them as you wish, right? So December 1999, Amazon trading split adjusted $5.34. September 2001, trading at $0.29. 95% loss in value, peak to trough, underwater, for 94 months, seven years, 10 months, nearly 3000 days underwater. Well,
2: wow, did you just get that from chat GBT? Did you just type that in? I mean, that's good, that's good. I might pay for that, but um, you know, the thing is with Amazon and you could say, well, if you had just held on, you know, they always put those stats on TV where, uh, where they say, well, if you, if you had bought Amazon at the IPO, you would have X amount today. Well, that's great. But let's just remember, it went up 6,400 percent twice, and you know, like 50 percent pullbacks, and then a drawdown of 95 percent, as you mentioned. There's no fun. There's no fund manager that could have said, you know what? I'm just going to sit here. I know I'm getting paid for my performance, but I'm going to allow it to go down 95 (laughs) percent. That's
1: part of the plan.
2: Maybe the buy-and-hold people can 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 do that. But I think if I had a 6,400. Percent gain and then I gave back 95%, I'd be in a mental hospital. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I mean, that, that hurt, that would hurt, wouldn't it? Like, oh man, I should have sold that it's hindsight.
1: Our, our friend, Mark Yusko has a great line about this. He said the only two people who held the stock were Jeff and Jeff's mom.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, Insider sold it and you know that's one of the things to watch in in this type of bubble when insiders were selling every every share they possibly could um, in in the run up and it was a new paradigm and didn't matter but it did
1: i i think i think my mom might sell if i were down 95%. I think she'd be like, you know, I need to cut some losses here.
2: Yeah, yeah, like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sell this uh here it's time time to sell.
1: But You know, I love but, you. You're my
2: back later yeah i know i i i used to have a couple family members that were good contrary indicators um they would say i you know i think this i think this is going to be a good thing this cisco here and i'm like "Well, we've been long cisco for eight years i sold it you know never saw the highs again um another one was the pfizer i think this viagra is going to be good sold that one right when that hit but uh yeah he's not around anymore so i can't get the the my better indicator but uh, anyway I, I just think that right now the market is in this um irrational type of stampede uh it's not easy uh from being a long short fund manager that stand- standpoint is very hard um uh, it's hard to be a long only fund manager because you're gonna underperform because you can't be just long seven stocks and people keep chasing them and look, there's things that are starting to broaden out. The financials had a good day. Energy had a great day today. Uh, I think industrials are getting a little over overextended here. But I'd I really like to see the market see some of the irrational bubble burst here. And, you know, maybe it's going to be the Fed. Maybe the Fed's going to, you know, tighten again in September. I think that's a possibility. And that would probably mm. spook a lot of people and – If anything, they're not cutting rates. I mean, let's remember that. They're not cutting rates because they're still doing QT. Maybe they need to increase QT. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe they're not going to cut rates because they're doing QT and they're going to hold rates steady. And you're not going to see a rate cut happen with 3.5% unemployment. That just is impossible. And you're not going to see unemployment until stock prices go down. We saw all these tech companies laying people off last year because their stocks were down. They're not going to cut people with stocks higher. So the Fed's got a dilemma there. It's a a tough thing. I think the soft landing narrative, you go back in history, I'll put it on Twitter, all the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, everybody, all the economists said, oh, we're going to have a soft landing. Even Paul Krugman last week said, we're gonna have a soft landing. The soft landings did he, did only send that, once. Did What's he that? send
1: that prediction? Did he send that prediction out by fax machine?
2: Yeah, his his, you know, the internet's gonna, you know, be dominated by the fax machine. I, I forgot exactly what he said there, but you know, look, it, everybody wants a soft landing. It's happened once in '94, '95. I don't see that happening at this stage. I don't see that. It's it's always a soft landing and then it becomes a hard landing and who knew, but uh, I mean honestly it it it's a soft landing and then you know the, it, it, it gets worse it doesn't get better uh, so I, I look I think the and people will blame the Fed like I think inflation is a much more difficult thing uh, to to control and I don't think people realize that because we've really never had an inflation problem like what we've had so it's going to take time
1: well not since the arthur burns era and it didn't end well and i think that chair Powell is very much aware of that listen i want to hit a couple of questions here at least get one in uh devin van curran is thinking very much in the way that i am right now he wants to know what will be the catalyst for the next pullback and i would add to that question what will be the catalyst for the next pullback and what will you be watching in terms of the metrics on your dashboard to see if it's happening
2: Again, I think that there's earnings risk with some some companies. Uh, We've had this, I mean, this is the near-term catalyst, I think. You've had this big run. Uh, Apple is not growing this quarter. They're not going to grow this quarter. They didn't grow last quarter. And year over year, their earnings are going to be down. The stock's up massively, and market cap-wise, it's now 3 trillion. Uh, I think that Apple's probably at risk of a pullback, and that could spook the market. You also have the Fed coming up and you have the Treasury who they, they have to announce uh, their issuance of, of debt to fill up the TGA. And they've been filling up the um, Treasury account with uh, with T-bills. That's short term. That's like they can't you know step out and add any duration. They just are doing it with ultra short term debt. And they're just going to have to keep rolling and rolling and rolling that. To fund our government, and I just find that to be, well, funding our government with debt is also, you know, just that's another topic. But doing it with short-term debt, I just think that that's short-termism. Sorry, did I ramble? I should have just said,
1: do the meme. That that was that was perfect, Tom. I just I just want to tell you, like after the show, is like go go outside, go for a walk, get some sunshine, some fresh air. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I I do need it. I'm 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 due. I'm going out. I'm going out tonight. Yeah. Excellent. Out.
1: Well, listen, Tom. Uh, we've obviously talked about a lot of different topics now uh, here in this show. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our viewers with.
2: Again, you can say so what, and maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, I just laid out some of the basic stuff that I look at. Market sentiment is extreme. The plethora of DeMarc signals matter when you have them in this this many, in this count that we have. Um, I think earnings, the bar is very, very high considering the moves we've seen. And I, I think that there's places to look for opportunity to buy outside of tech. And if you missed it, you missed it. I missed it. Um, wait for a significant pullback and then reevaluate. But right now I think it's, it's just too dangerous. One follow-up. You said places to buy outside of tech. What are
1: you looking at? What has you bullish? I'm
2: still, I still like energy. Um, I'm starting to look at a little, uh, some financials, um, but I want to see some more of the earnings that come out. I wasn't that impressed with the earnings, but uh, I want to watch how, how that develops.
1: Well, Tom, always a pleasure. I always enjoy doing these shows with you, man.
2: Thanks. Well, I, I do as well. And I, I just try and, you know, keep it real. You definitely keep it real whenever we <laughs> do this, it. Ben. No doubt about it. Cool.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and thank you for watching or listening. I should say, I said uh, watching less, uh, earlier. I'm sure lots of people are going to be listening to this on the podcast version a little later in the day. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us for Real Vision Daily Briefing. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, 4 p.m. Eastern. Have a great
0: afternoon, everybody. I can't tell if I'm live or not Welcome to the latest episode of I don't know what the fuck I'm doing I've got no idea what I'm about to talk about or present But we'll give it a go No producers, no anybody They came on beforehand, threw me into the deep end So I don't really know what's going on Sorry, I need to get rid of my wife who's on the call, so she doesn't shout at me. Sorry, everyone. I can't tell I'm alive. <laughs> uh... I hope I've entertained you. I've uh, done my song and dance. Um, you fuckers need to subscribe, please.
2: Rick Rule
1: is a favorite in the Real Vision community. If you'd like to meet up with Rick and get a master class from the master himself, you'll want to head to the Rick Rule Symposium on Natural Resource Investing in Florida, July 23rd to the 27th. You'll get access to industry insiders, elite bullion dealers, gold council members, and uranium pros. Just head over to realvision.com forward slash Rick.